Welcome to the Little Blackfish podcast, where we will explore different streams of thoughts in the form of unfiltered dialogues with thought leaders from around the world. I'm Dr. Sara Nasserzadeh. I'm a social psychologist and a psychotherapist. Today, I'm in dialogue with my good friend and colleague, Dorche Brecken from the Netherlands, to discuss meaning and role of sex in the time of pandemic. Welcome, Dorje. Great to have you with me today. I'm particularly looking forward to our conversation since you bring such a rich and different background as well as the stories to the whole discourse that we're having these days. As a global patron of sexual health, well-being, and rights, you started your career as a nurse, then moved on to the leadership of um, International Planned Parenthood Association, where you help leaders design and implement valuable services for hundreds of people around the world. And I've been one of the witnesses for the past 20 years. You've done amazing work, really. And I want to start by asking you about your take on the role of sex and sexuality education in this time of pandemic. The pain of it, pleasure of it, the shame of it, all of it, really. So what is your take on it? Yeah, it, I find it a very difficult question, but I do think we, it is very interesting. And of course, in all the conversations about the virus and all about social distance, about um, protection, about finding a cure, basically, and we talk, we say a lot to people how they should behave, but the word sex isn't mentioned at all. And I find that very, very interesting because I think it should be mentioned. Maybe it is mentioned in the fact that people are afraid there will be more sexual abuse uh, because people are uh, having to be in one room altogether when they were not before in one room. But we don't say anything. How can we then, of course, we have to address the issue of sexual abuse. It's absolutely vital. But sex is existential for us. And I think if we don't dare to address that as well, how that still can have a role without fear, without shame um, in our lives. I think we can go back to back in time a little bit, that we go back to the, all the shame and the guilt we had before. And we were slowly trying to get out of this shame and guilt uh, feelings. So, and of course, all the other things are are absolutely crucial we're talking about, but I heard someone say, well, now talking about sexual, the joy of sex is a luxury. And I was wondering, why? Why do you say that? Why, why is it a luxury? If we know how much it does for our well-being, about our self-esteem, our relationship with another, which is, well, is crucial for surviving all this mentally, why are we now saying, oh, no, no, now sex, joyful sex is a luxury? Maybe we have it's language, maybe we have to phrase it in a different way, but if we are not thinking about what the role of sex and sexuality is in these awful times, I think it's, it's a missed opportunity that we can even talk about how will we be together after this crisis if we don't keep putting it on the agenda. We have a lot of television programs here, and I've seen them of, of the UK as well, and of, of the Netherlands, Zip, nada, niente about it. It's also maybe our fault in a way, but um, our I think fault that... being professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I think that's why your initiative is so incredibly good because um, it will help us now, but it will also help us in the healing afterwards. And maybe in our conversations and in our discourses, how we can look differently at sex and sexuality. I have been thinking quite a lot about sexuality after the whole Me Too campaign. How do we address sexuality after that? And I was totally um, involved in that. And then this horrible virus came. And so maybe we can link those things because I think also after Me Too, where we saw so much hurt, so much horrible things happening, how can we heal from that and can seize the moment almost and say, okay, we have to think differently about sexuality, about compassion with each other, about kindness to each other, about, about healing with each other and how sex can have a healing uh, function. Here's what I understand from our conversation, also from speaking to many clients these yeah. days. Two things stand out for me, Dorcha, when, when we talk about sex, the meaning of sex for different people. Exactly. And the role of sex. So what I hear... And, and sorry, sorry, and then Role of sex, right? Yeah. yeah. So for example, the meaning of sex for now in this specific time could be strengthening connection, as you mentioned, to relate to your partner or, you know, to yourself for that matter, because yeah, it's yeah. a form of release. It's a form of reassuring yourself that I'm alive. When yeah. everything else is out of control, this is yeah. one thing existentially that can bring yeah. me pleasure. Oh, hang on a minute. Maybe I can want. Yeah. Still exactly. in the midst of all of this crisis that I don't even know if I exist in this world next week. Yeah. The, the, the problem often with the word pleasure, people identify pleasure with orgasm or with kind of that kind of thing. And I think we, that's why I really like your word, the joy of sex, because this is not about only having orgasms or, you know, um, this is about um, being connected with another and being connected with yourself in a way absolutely and i think you know having these conversations help us all of us to cope first and yeah. foremost yeah. and having that feeling of validation that whatever that i'm feeling if i don't want to do it that's fine if i'm not thinking about sex that's fine yeah if i am thinking about sex that's fine too yeah but also i have clients you know i mainly work with couples yeah, as yeah. so they come and one of them is absolutely shocked and disgusted and they say, well, how could he want sex in the midst of all of these? Yeah. He's going to die next week. And then yeah. the person says, look, this is the only thing that I can have control yeah. over. And yeah. this is the only yeah. thing that reminds me that I'm not dead yet. Yeah. Also to show my connectedness with you, right? In, in, a, in a way. We have seen that also in research of people who are, you know, in the last week of their lives, that some people really benefit and feel very happy because they still can have sex with each other. It's, it's one way of proving what you want. I can also understand that you don't want it, and it's also called what sex is in, in a way. We, we, we can expand to that. But I think we should not immediately, you know, throw it away you know like a chat with no we're not talking about sex because it's so terrible what's happening to us and i think we can learn also a lot what happens in in wars and uh, i think there must be quite a lot of research as well of how much sex there was and i believe very much there was i know from my own i come from a family who suffered a bit in the war with a lot of um, 
I always heard that was never discussed. We never had so much fun together, so much sex together, as because we had nothing else to do, actually. It was one way of survival. And there was a lot of promiscuity going on, whether we like it or not. But we, we needed that to survive. Mm-hmm. But it's a total taboo to talk about. It's so interesting we, we, when we talk about wars or whatever. That's the last thing people want to talk about, although it helped them to survive. That is very true. So uh, that ties back to the concept of shame. I'll give you an example. I have clients who feel like I should be really, really ashamed of myself because I feel guilty. I'm privileged enough. I'm bodily abled enough to do this. Um, You know, so I have a partner to have sex with. Um, Our children are grown up. So we have this space. Yeah, to yeah, be intimate yeah, with yeah, each other yeah. because that's another thing frustration built up because some couples want to be together but, but they have children there yeah 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 either geographically they are quarantined in different places yeah or yeah. they are you know other people they are uh, quarantining with their parents with their elderly with their children so they there is no privacy around it to no, do anything no. right the shame around it on the other hand is all the shooting that is going on. Yeah. Like imagine, um, I've worked a lot with cancer survivors mm-hmm. and they go to their doctors and they ask about, well, you know, my desire is low or my, my orgasms are not as intense as before. So in most cases, the scenario goes as you should be lucky to be alive. Yeah. And they're yeah. so embarrassed and yeah. that sort of shame. Yeah, we know now there's so much research now coming up that um, when you enjoy your sexuality or you're satisfied about your sexuality or you're proud of your sexuality, it has an impact on your general health. Sexuality is a part of our health. Absolutely, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more with you (laughs) because although we're not sitting here promoting that, okay, so if you don't feel like it, I don't want this to become something that a person partner and say did you hear the experts (laughs) no 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 not at all no never ever ever it's about consent consent is number one in in this country when we talk about this this virus they talk all the time about vulnerable people what one thing i've learned in my work is that often vulnerability puts you in a place where you hardly can get out anymore I would like to talk about how can you make people resilient again and say you can do it instead of victimizing them almost where you cannot get out anymore and okay you're vulnerable so I'm going to do this and this and that for you but that you really learn to listen to other people what they want and what they need for me that is kindness it was very interesting this morning there was someone on television who was in the hospital and he had been very ill but he was was better and he was sitting there and the nurse asked is there something you can do it It was his birthday and he said i so would like to have a shave because he hadn't shaved for two and they did everything to understand what he wanted and they gave him a shave and he said it was the best act of kindness i've ever had in my life and it's so yes it's extremely moving so i think it's about really trying to say okay if that is what you need i will give you that i will do anything to help you to get there it's about really trying having the attitude to try to get to understand what the other wants and then be very creative because you have to be creative to give you what you want as well. You need some kind of intelligence 
some kind of creativity and some kind of empathy to be able to be kind. And that's not only on an individual level, but probably also more on a social level as well. Definitely. So one of the things that come up for me is the concept of compassion. And that's how I differentiate between compassion and empathy, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I often tell my couples, take yourself out of it. And that's how you know you're compassionate because yeah. they're for the other person, not yeah. with the other yeah. person. For me, one thing which is extremely important for me in sexuality, which I have learned only much later in my life, is to be able to forgive. And, to, and forgiveness is a very Christian work, so I wish there was another word for it. But it's to, to allow yourself to make mistakes and to allow the other one to make mistakes. Maybe let go? Exactly. That's probably the best word for it. Let it let it go. But also, okay, this time it didn't go well. It will, of course, there are crimes. We, we're not going to talk about that or severe abuse or whatever. But sex cannot ever be perfect. Of course, things can go wrong. Or, and, um, and you can beat yourself up. I shouldn't have gone with this man. How stupid have I been? Why did I do it? It doesn't help you. Just forgive yourself that you did it. Yeah. And be kind to yourself as well in that sense. So it's not, and also be kind to the other and say, okay, fine, right? So I, I'm uh, in my old age. I'm totally into kindness at this moment, and I'm really exploring kindness as a maybe new way because my life has always been very much about education and sexuality education, and I, and of course, I have pushed very much for sexual pleasure, and 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 I'm still, I'm and I'm still thinking now, but maybe. If we could take a little bit the word, because pleasure brings so many people get very about that. And if we can just say, okay, but kindness, being kind to each other, it's almost the same as giving and receiving pleasure. And kindness is not about that you do what the other think you want the other to do. It's not about, okay, you lay down, okay, do what you want. No, but you need to get the balance right about knowing what you want yourself but also listening to what the other wants so never let people walk over you but also don't walk over the other i want this i want this otherwise my sex isn't good it's trying to find the balance between what you want and what the other wants and i think um, sexologists and, and sorry, like esther Pirel and others have been writing very well much more eloquent about it but that's what they actually say is, is about okay it's you can't always get everything you want right it's about how you get that balance right yeah the dance sexuality is an act of harmony if you are having it with another person absolutely absolutely and that's why i think that maybe words like harmony words like joy words like kindness are better words also in the process of healing what we're talking about than oh we have to have sexual pleasure because that will not resonate in us but If we can use kindness and joy and healing and compassion maybe uh, as words that will help us now during this crisis, but also maybe in the healing process afterwards, I think we could really start a new idea about, even about sexuality, kind of revolution (laughs) about sexuality education, I think. I do think we need to find a new kind of framework in these very difficult times. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think the framework could be, I want to summarize our conversation, validating whatever that you feel, 
want it or not or how much or whatever way so that's a personal very subjective experience so one of the other things that i wanted to ask about today is the conversation about commonalities and differences that comes up in this time because everybody is treating themselves their bodies other people's bodies differently even from the moment that we shake somebody's hand or wave yeah. you know yeah. we're trying to figure out our physical space as much as mm-hmm. everything else and sex falls into that category yeah and um, it reminds me of molana's a poem that says we are all an ocean a part of the ocean and each wave though has different intensity and different shape and different color, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So without undermining people's personal experiences, we are all going through this as a collective trauma and we are going to survive as a species, hopefully all of us together, right? On that note, I want you to, if you don't mind, share with me as all of these coronavirus situation chaos, right? How did you experience it at three levels? personally, which could include your relationships, socially and existentially? Well, personally, I was still, because my husband died very recently, I was still in a form of grieving. I didn't have a sexual relationship with him anymore, but I had a very strong relationship with him. Helping me to, yeah, how to say that? even writing about the kindness, writing about that I should be kind for myself and that I should allow myself to grieve and and not be ashamed of that. That was very helpful. There was one thing my parents taught me. They were, of course, very young when there was in the war and they were married in the last year of the war because they thought they would die anyway, but they survived. And one thing my mother said just before she died, she said, there's one thing we did wrong. We just said, okay, let's not think about it anymore. Afterward, we're going to build this country up. We're going to work together. We're not talking about it anymore. We're not grieving anymore. Of course, we give money to people who need it, but we're not grieving because we have to build this country again. We have to, you know, we have to be strong, stiff upper lip. And she said, that's the worst thing we have done because I'm still grieving now. I'm almost 80, whatever, right? For me, it's important that we can grieve in a way that, and that we allow other people to grieve, but, but not grieving and it will never be okay, but, but find ways, and I'm, I'm not the expert on this, but find ways how we can again be kind to each other and be compassionate to each other, that we allow each other to talk about it and to grieve on a very personal level. Of course, we can, after the Second World War, it was all about Holocaust, which was terrible, but we have to talk about the little tiny things why people are upset and grieving and and allow that to happen we should learn from that time my fear is a little bit that if we have survived next year who knows that we go back to how it was because of economic reasons because everybody's talking about economy and about all this kind of stuff but i do hope that we we have been so uh, touch in the in the most important existential um, you know the core of us mm-hmm. that we learn what is actually important in life what is it do we have to put in this plane all the time everywhere do we have to travel everywhere do we how can we we enjoy now little things I cannot go outside so I sit on my balcony and I look at the, some flowers and I look at the sunshine and the cat is sitting next to me and I think 
how happy am I at this moment? So how can we go back to the core that we, we allow A to grieve, but also not to immediately strive for all kind of happiness outside ourselves instead of inside ourselves? So it brought you more appreciation for the present moment. Yeah, and and for yeah, and I am so grateful that I have my children and my grandchildren. I mean, you know, don't think take things for granted anymore. I hope that people will understand kindness better and be kinder to each other, uh, in, in a way. It would be such an amazing world. <laughs> yeah, that would be like yeah, yeah. Because you know, the reason I ask all of these questions is. If we want to move forward, we need to have that appreciation for personal narratives of the trauma that Abs was it. Yeah, absolutely. And also, little by little, see how others experience it because this yeah. is a collective trauma. It's going to be healed by collective effort, collective, collective yeah. wisdom and narratives and something to hold on to, some stories, narratives to leave behind. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And these narratives are very important because, you know, I know most about education. I don't know about everything, but I know a little bit about education. And what I have seen that, especially in sexuality education, it has been influenced very much by the Western world. It's all about me, 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 me. I have to develop myself. I have to, I will. First, we have to look totally at ourselves and our body, and then we talk about relationship, and maybe we talk about society. That has always bothered me a lot. Because I think some people, it, the community is much more important than the society. To be a citizen in your society, it's not only about me, 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 and about um, uh, I have to develop. Well, of course, we want people to develop who they want to be, but you're also part of the society. And in sexuality education, that has been totally forgotten because they were so focused on behavioral change. You have to behave better. You have to use condoms. You have to do this, 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 and that. It was all about me. Maybe a little bit about relationship, but not really. But not looking at the context of the society you live in. And if you don't become a good citizen in your society, where you not only believe in the human rights for yourself, but that you fight for everybody's right and for equity and equality, I think that's where sexuality education really, really made a mistake or made a mistake. Could do better, let's put it this way. And I, I, I really believe in that, that we have not looked enough. We have been so, you know, because of the HIV, which of course was a pandemic as well. It's all about behavioral change. You have to behave, you have to behave this way. We tell you how to behave, which also didn't work, but okay, that's another thing. But they didn't always look at what is the context people live in. Mm -hmm. It's not only about your individual behavior. It is really about where you live, how you live, and working in countries like Uzbekistan and Central Asia, where the community is much more important than the individual. And we can have all kinds of ideas about that, but all those education was nonsense there because we ha you had to start you are part of a community and what does your community tell you and what happens if you don't feel the same as your community right so we have to think i hope maybe i'm not really answering your question but i think if we could bring that back and say you are part of society and it's not only about your own happiness but it's also about the happiness and the well-being of everybody else not even in your own society but maybe bigger as well and you have to fight for human rights for everyone, not only for your own. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I would like 
to happen in the education sector. That's beautifully said, because if we did that to begin with, maybe the crisis would have been managed a little bit better. Yeah. I'm not against all that self-exploration. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes, listen, you're not alone in this world. You are also with others. Yeah. And of course, you have to be kind to yourself. But being kind to yourself means nothing, absolutely nothing, if you're not kind with others. Yes. And also, I think if you're truly kind to yourself, then you cannot not be kind to others, really. I mean, some people think they're kind to themselves, but they're just being self-centered. Mistakenly, they think that they're kind to themselves, but they're really not. And there's a difference there. Having said all of these, um, you know, I'm an eternal optimist and I'm hopeful that things will evolve for the better in the world. We will do our best, right? Yes, yes, everybody. So if I want to bring everything together, I would emphasize again that we really need to look into the meaning and role of sex in our lives because they vary. Therefore, the experiences and expressions that we each utilize vary too. Well, because sex is a primal way that many use to cope with an existential crisis like this, some might retract and go to protection mode, while some expand and reach out and some remain in between. These are all valid as long as it does not lead to coercion and abuse. It takes a lot for a person to express where they stand with this. So when they come forward, we really need to be compassionate towards them and be kind towards them. How would you summarize our conversation, Georgia? That sexuality and intimacy are crucial components in our lives. Not about having, I'm not talking about having sex, which is part of it, but sexuality, it has to do with our emotions. It has to do with our body, with our physical part. It has to do that we want to achieve goals in life. It is about, it's about many things. And we should not forget that sexuality is important in our lives and sexual well-being is important in our lives. So let's not forget in all this misery and of course in all the importance of, of how to prevent and how to prevent the virus to go further and how to find a cure and everything. But let's not forget that a core issue of people is sexuality and sexual well-being. And it is not a luxury and it's not bad, and we should not feel ashamed or guilty to talk about the joys of sex, even in these difficult times. Well said. Thank you so, thank so you. much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Sara Nasserzadeh, on the Little Blackfish podcast today. To learn more about Dorche Brecken and access all the resources and material discussed in our dialogue, please go to my website at sara-nasserzadeh.com and also connect on social media and let me know what you would like to hear in the upcoming episodes. Join us next week when we talk about a vision for the world post-pandemic.